Welcome to the Life Community Church Podcast. We are so excited and thankful you've decided to join us. We have a very special message for you today that we pray blesses you. Good morning. How you doing? I think it would be cool if we could actually release doves that flew across the building. I mean, I was at a play just a couple of weeks ago, and they actually had live birds flying through the building. It can't be that hard. So that's the next thing, live birds. So how are you doing? Good. Well, uh, everybody, everybody take a deep breath. Go, because <sighs> today I'm going to talk about uh, what does God say about gender dysphoria and the transgender movement? So uh, this is kind of heavy. Uh, so my sources are, uh, Eric Geiger is a pastor of Mariner Church in Mission Viejo, California, and uh, great information there. Uh, also, Josh Howerton, which you may know who Josh Howerton is, he's the pastor at Lake Point. Uh, he preached a very similar sermon about three weeks ago. I would encourage you to go listen to that. Uh, because he's got a different perspective. Uh, and there's two books uh, that I think are going to maybe show up next as a picture of books. Nope, there they are. Uh, the End of Gender, uh, which is a, a book by Dr. Deborah So and uh, Irreversible Damage by Abigail Shirer. Now, I want to give you, these are excellent books. They're not Christian books, uh, but they're very informative and have, you know, a lot of good information on, in them. So, teenagers today, I don't know if you realize this, teenagers today are in a lot of pain. Uh, they are being described as the loneliest generation. Between 2009 and 2017, the number of high schoolers who contemplated suicide increased by 25%. The number of teens with clinical depression increased 37% between 2005 and 2014. Self-harm, which is often, you know, cutting, if you're familiar with, with that term, hurting yourself, is up 189% since 2010. So that's just generally, there's a, there's a lot going on among our young people. They're struggling. They're struggling relationally, connecting. Uh, most of them would rather be on their phones than actually be in a face-to-face -face interaction somewhere. It's because it's safer. Uh, there's also, now we're seeing in our society, uh, a very real pain. Some, the struggle that we're seeing in a lot of different areas with gender dysphoria. So imagine being a teenager and you never seem to fit in. <clears throat> and most of us could go back to our teen years and say, yeah, that, that was me, <laughs> right? I mean, did anybody as a teenager feel awkward in your body? Yes, all of us. But uh, imagine you're a teenager, you don't feel like you fit in, and you, don't, you feel like everybody else fits in. You, maybe you don't fit 
the typical stereotype of your biological sex. Maybe you were born a boy, but you don't like rough and tumble sports or guns and monster trucks. Uh, so maybe you thought, I'm not like everybody else. Maybe there's something off with me. Or maybe you're a teenage girl and you ne never liked things that other girls seem to like, like <clears throat> playing with dolls, playing dress up, or wearing makeup. Maybe you like rough sports and non-girly things, like playing what are often described as non-girly things, playing video games. You just want to be happy. Like every generation of teens, you want to establish an identity that says, this is who I am, often in some way separate from your parents. You're trying to create your own identity. And maybe you've watched some teens on TikTok. Uh, you probably have watched teens on TikTok. Announcing that they've changed their pronouns and that they're going to change their gender. And they are celebrated. They are applauded at school and online and you wonder if you should do that too because it would immediately give you a lot of cool kid cred. Imagine being a teenager with some confusion about who you are, right? So imagine being a parent that has a teenager that comes to you and this is your, you know, this is your child, this is your precious child that you love and treasure. They can't even comprehend how much you love them. Uh, they doubt that you love them because you tell them things they don't like to hear. Uh, you love them, you gave them a name, and you love this child so much, they come to you and tell you that they don't feel at home in the body that they have, that they want to change their name, and they want to change their pronouns. They want to be called by pronouns different than their birth. So you, as a parent, you enter the quagmire of the internet to try to get some information about what's going on with your child. And you're told that children with gender dysphoria that are resisted in their desire to change have a higher suicide thoughts, ideation, and higher suicide rate. You're told that if you resist your children, do you want a live boy or a dead girl? That you will push your children to suicide. Now, in reality, you need to understand that this is a statistic that has been turned upside down and used to promote a pro-trans agenda. Uh, in actuality, in 2011, ABC News took this statistic, which was said that 40% of all people that have gone through the trans surgery, 40% end up committing suicide. And they took that, so they took that statistic and said the reason why they committed suicide because they didn't get to tr transition earlier. That was, not, that was not what the study found. But they distorted the numbers to support the narrative that they wanted to support. And, you know, we have to all watch, we've talked about cognitive bias and how we all have a cognitive bias and we have to watch out about doing that. Uh, so your heart's broken. You don't want to lose your child. Your heart's broken for your child because you love your child. You love, you're, you're concerned about the confusion that they're feeling. Uh, and you're told if you look for stuff online that if you don't support your child's transformation that you're a cruel parent. And some states have, some states have passed laws that will block you from being the parent of that child. 
you have hope that they'll grow out of it, uh, but you're seeing that your child is almost driven to change their identity. It seems almost contagious. Imagine you're an elementary age boy. You come home from school and you tell your parents, hey, uh, mom and dad, there's now a tampon dispenser on the wall of the boy's bathroom. Or that uh, you were given in class a gender wheel. And I think there's a picture of one. It may be hard to read. A gender wheel. So you can spin the gender wheel and pick your gender. Uh, imagine your high school daughter is playing in a basketball or volleyball game, and there's a player on the other team that was obviously born male and is dominating the game. And your child feels cheated, right? I mean, wouldn't they feel cheated? So, so we're going to talk with defining a couple of terms. The first term is, is sex. I think you may know what that means, but sex is defined as male or female, typically with reference to chromosomes, internal re- reproductive anatomy, and external genitals. I said, I didn't know we were going to say that in church today. <laughs> so when someone is born, gender is assigned to them based on these criteria. So based on these criteria, sex is, gender is, sex is binary. There's two sexes. So it's very clear. The body only produces. Either you, either you produce male gametes or female gametes. Either you produce eggs or, there's no, or sperm. There's no inter, intermediary difference. There are another term is uh, gender identity. In the past, and gender identity were viewed as one. Gender identity and gender were viewed as one. And in the last few decades, gender has been separated from biological sex. So now we have the term gender identity, a person's self-perception of whether they are male or female, masculine or feminine. So the transgender movement is pushing towards a genderless society where people can move across gender in a non-binary way where they, you know, they can wake up male and go to bed female and change to whatever they want to be. Now, in reality, we do need a broader definition of what it means to be man and female. We, 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 we have almost stereotyped people into who they have to be. Uh, because we have men who don't enjoy sports or big trucks or like cooking, but like cooking in the arts, that doesn't mean they're gay or trans. And we have women who do love sports and hunting and mechanical things that defy traditional stereotypes. Rebecca McCullough said, if we separate gender from sex, all we have left is stereotypes. So stereotypes become the way to determine gender instead of your biological sex determining gender. So now that leads us to gender dysphoria. Gender dysphoria is the sense of mismatch between your physical sex, your body, and your psychological gender identity, that which you feel in your mind. So 
you feel like there's a mismatch between your physical, biological sex and between your psychological gender identity in your mind. Those suffering from gender dysphoria feel as if there is a, a war waging within their body, between their body and their mind. In the BBC, transgender kids, they said this, at the heart of the debate about transgender children is the idea that your brain can be at war with your body. Know who else says there's a war going on? Christians. In Romans 7, it says, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. There's a war within us too. And if anyone should be able to understand, if we should be able to be compassionate about this struggle that's going on among these young people, we should be understanding and compassionate. Because we, we, we know there's a war. Sometimes what you want to do, you don't do. The things you ought to do, you don't do. <clears throat> so how do we deal with that? In her book, Irreversible Damage, that I've rec I recommend you read that book. If you have, especially if you have teenage daughters or sons, Abigail Shire talks about the current movement of transgenderism. She says, young teen girls have rarely wrestled with gender dysphoria. This is a new phenomenon. Most people who struggled with gender dysphoria in the past were young boys, pre-pubescent boys. And uh, the, now it has totally changed to where all, nearly all, nearly 100%, not 100%, but close, are young girls that are identifying as trans male. It's, so it's spreading in such a way in such a degree that it's almost like a contagion. It's spreading like a virus. So it spreads several ways. It spreads through immense social media immersion. So uh, mostly TikTok, Tumblr, YouTube, DeviantArt, Reddit. And in there, these relationships see these people, these influencers, and where people are celebrated uh, for being trans. About 40%, more than half of their friend group has also come out as transgender. So, so young girls are coming out as transgender in groups, which means it's socially influenced, not just something that they felt for a long time. As a matter of fact, they, they're calling it sudden onset gender dysphoria because gender dysphoria in the past identified in elementary children at an earlier age and then 70% of those would grow out of that when they reached puberty. But this is happening uh, alongside puberty or near puberty, girls in junior high and high school that are the, the main groups that are transitioning are 14 to 16 that are identifying because they're, they're seeing all of this stuff on, me, on social media. And then their friends that they hang out with are identifying. 
And honestly, we recognize today, in our culture today, being homosexual or being gay is not persecuted. It is celebrated. Uh, you could identify as trans or gay, and you immediately get to sit at the cool kid's table. It's, it's a change in mentality. So between 2016 and 2017, the number of gender surgeries for born female, uh, for natal females, born in the U.S., quadrupled with biological women accounting for 70% of all gender surgeries. In 2018, the U.K. reported a 4,400% increase over the previous decade in teenage girls seeking gender surgery. Did you, did you get that? A 4,400% increase over the previous decade. Dr. Lisa Littman did a study of what she then defined as rapid onset gender dysphoria. And she found out of 256 adolescents that 25% had previously come out as gay and more than a third had come out as bisexual prior to identifying as transgender. 60 had at least one mental health disorder such as anxiety and many other had a history of self-harm or trauma. Many of the girls were also diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. So what's going on, right? I think it has to do with a couple of the age-old questions that we ask ourselves. Why am I here? Who am I? What is my purpose in life? How can I, because how can I stand out as special? And how can I stand out as unique and different? And how can I be happy? Because I think, you know, we can define it different ways. We as Christians call it joy. We don't call it happiness, but it's the same. Everybody wants to be happy. You say, okay, how many of you want to be miserable? Raise your hand. How many of you want to be happy? We all want to be happy. So why are we here? Well, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, this is what God says. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own, own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female, he created them. So we're here, our purpose here is to bear the image of God. We are God's image bearers. We are here to bear the image of God and bring the nature and image of God into the world. God's original purpose in Adam and Eve, if you read the, the story of Adam and Eve, God's purpose, he put them in the garden and gave them the command, now fill the earth, make the whole earth a garden like this. Fill the earth with this paradise. And of course, in their selfishness, uh, in their being seduced by Satan, they failed. So Jesus came to defeat the enemy and that deceived Adam and Eve and reignite within each of us God's purpose in us through Jesus Christ. So that God came through Jesus Christ to give us God's purpose, the same purpose that Jesus had. So we were created on purpose with a purpose. 
Our purpose and identity come from God. He is the one who created us. He's the one who defines us. An average car today has over 30,000 parts. Uh, Even my old 2012 F-150. And... uh, but nobody believes that my car spontaneously created itself in the driveway. <laughs> that it didn't just come into existence. It was created, it was manufactured by according to a specific plan. Your body has 37 trillion parts. You are not a biological accident. You were created to a specific plan. Did you know if they unraveled all of your DNA in, in your body and unraveled the DNA in your body? This blows my mind, okay? They unraveled the DNA in your or my body and stretched it end to end. It would, it's 37 billion miles You could go to the moon and back 150 times. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God had a plan for you. Listen, Psalm 139, 13 says, For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. God created you on purpose, with a purpose. You're not an accident. And he created you to display his glory, that his work would be manifest through us Revelation 4.11, worthy are you, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. We were created for the pleasure, the glory, the honor, the purposes of God. In, in transgenderism, there's a separation of the person and the body. It's like mind good, body bad. But in Christ, you are gloriously connected. Your body has been bought with a price. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't say mind good, body bad. He says you belong to God. Your body, your sex, and your gender are connected. You're a whole person. You're not two halves. Sex and and what you think in your mind, you, you're, you're one in Christ. So you've been created to be whole. God wants you to be emotionally and mentally whole. And people want to be happy. But it can depend on the path that you use to get there and how you define happy. Leah Thomas, I'm sure most of you are familiar with who Leah Thomas is. Leah Thomas is, was a formerly male swimmer for Penn State who became a trans woman. Uh, 
to also continue to swim for Penn State, competing in college against other biological women. And uh, Leah Thomas won a lot of honors. In 2022, Leah was recommended to be Female Athlete of the Year. In, inter- in many interviews, the reason for transitioning was, I just want to be happy. Now, I kind of talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I don't want to spend too much time on it. But it's not fair for one class to get to be happy and make everybody else unhappy. It's not fair to... I'm, I'm not saying that trans people shouldn't have rights, but their rights should not proceed or over, override biological women. If trans women want to participate in sports, they shouldn't, partic- they shouldn't have to compete against biological women. If they, and, and this is what we're beginning to realize. If they want to compete, let them have a category. But... But it's, it's not fair to deprive. Can you, can you imagine uh, people that have trained their whole lives, that have worked their whole lives in a specific area only to get and to find that they're actually facing very obviously someone who has, that's stronger and more powerful and they're at a great disadvantage. So the world says... The way to happiness, if you have gender dysphoria, is to listen to your mind and alter your body. But the scripture says, offer your body to God and let God renew your mind. See, God's way is, if your mind's wrong, change your mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The world says if you have tension between the mind and the body, change the body. There's even a push to do that now. God says if you have a tension between your mind and your body, change your mind. I mean, think about this. How do we handle other things? If a teenage girl who's very thin goes to the counselor and says, I feel fat, which is what anorexia does. I have anorexia. I have the fear of being too thin. Uh, The counselor tries to help this person change their mind. They don't give them diet pills. So if, if someone comes in and identifies they have anorexia, they're too thin, but they, be, they see themselves we, they see themselves as fat, but they are, are, are too thin, then we don't we counsel them and try to help them overcome that. We, we try to help them understand and see themselves correctly. But they're, they're actually now on the internet, there are groups that celebrate anorexia too, that will, that will even celebrate it, that you're, 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 you're eating so few calories that you have to be in the hospital. You're a true, you're, you're a true disciple. 
So if a, if a young man or young woman came into the counselor, they're depressed and suicidal and it happens, we don't assist them in suicide. We, 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 we counsel them and we talk with them. We, 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 we try to get them help. We try to change their mind. Abigail Sharp says, 70% of adolescents who are not encouraged to change their gender will phase out of their gender dysphoria. So we would do, be doing them a great disservice if we push those children to transition. The UK, which is about 10 years ahead of us in this madness, uh, it has shuttered its gender clinic, Tavistock, because they are being sued by throngs of former patients who were pushed to transition after just one one-hour visit. They had questions. They went to the gender clinic. They left with puberty blockers. And so they're recognizing that this was child abuse and they have shut Tavistock down. Dr. Dr. Paul McHugh, not a Christian, is a renowned psychiatrist at Johns Hopkins. I always have trouble with this because it's Johns Hopkins University and Hospital. He says this, treatment should not be directed at the body as with surgery and hormones any more than one obesity-fearing anorexic patients with liposuction. The treatment should strive to correct the false problematic nature of the assumption. Everywhere we turn, we're told that gender dysphoric thrive, children thrive when once they transition and their parents accept their true identity as the opposite sex and parent acceptance is indeed important and kids presenting gender dysphoria deserve to be treated with compassion and unconditional love, but this acceptance does not require a social or medical transition. Doctors, doctors Deborah So and the end of gender. Here's the reality. This is how happiness works. I don't know if you've ever tried to find happiness through the things of life. It's very fleeting. If you're, if, you, if you're living a life that says, I'll be happy when, you'll never be happy. Because happiness is not at the end of any particular rainbow. Happiness is always found, I believe, first of all, in Christ because you find your fulfillment in who you belong to be in Christ. So happiness will not come. If you think, oh, if I could just change my pronouns, then I'll be happy. But happiness will elude you. Happiness will not come if you change your name or when you start dressing trans or when you start taking hormones or when you have the upper surgery or you have the lower surgery. Yes, each of those things, like everything that we do, can bring us momentary happiness, but it will always be fleeting. And that belief that the next thing will bring you happiness, but it won't because it's a dead end. There's a place where you can truly find happiness and joy, and it is in Christ. To find real purpose in life and feel real fulfillment in life and find real identity in Christ. John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, 
to kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So, okay, you're a parent or a grandparent. What should you do? Well, you need to get informed. If you have kids, if you have young kids, you need to read those two books. I would really encourage it. You need to love your children. Duh, right? Uh, you need to monitor their, their online activity. You need to limit phone time. Or, or even better, this is really hard, I know, don't give them a smartphone. You know, this all started in 2007 with the invention of the iPhone. Higher suicide rates, all of this smartphone, it's not just the iPhone, it's all smartphones. Smartphones, maybe someday we're going to look back on this era of access to the internet and what it and social media and we're looking back and say, man, that was I can't believe we let that happen. To ourselves. Monitor their friends because it, this is a, a contagion. And they're influenced strongly. And we all know that teens are influenced by their friends. Uh, st- strongly encourage them to connect with people face to face. Like youth group. Yeah, it's a pain in the ass, right? To get them here on a Wednesday night or a Sunday night or whenever it is. Do it. Get off your lazy butt and bring your kids up here to youth. Who said that? I'm sorry. We won't let that guy's not coming back. I'm sorry. We just don't allow that kind of language here. Uh, but reality, I mean, do do kids need to push sometimes? Yes. But it's something like, oh, well, I don't want to push them into religion. Don't push them into religion. Push them towards Jesus. <laughs> There's a difference. Religion is a set of behaviors that you're, you're legalistically trying to follow. That's not a relationship with Christ. So you want to push them towards a relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to put them in an environment I can just tell you that some of the best things in my life that happened in my relationship with Jesus Christ happened in church services that I did not want to be at. <laughs> that I said, I'm, I don't want to go. That's tough. You're going. So do push them. Take them. Try to make sure they're in healthy school, school groups. Not everything in your school is healthy. And so now more than ever, don't just trust your school. You need to find out what's going on, and you, you, if, if you need to speak up against it, you need to speak up or speak out against it. You need to speak out against it. Get them to volunteer somewhere, like sharing life or our calling. Help them be less selfish. Send them on a mission trip so they can see real poverty so they don't feel as entitled. I didn't have any of the teens saying amen to any of this today. Uh, I would say this. You and I need to be fully committed followers of Christ. And we need to show them the joy of knowing Christ, not just the rules. See, for us it's a joy, but they see it looks like to them like rules. But for us it's a joy. We're keeping the rules because we want to. But 
the second generation sees that, looking at it, they're looking at, this is just a bunch of stuff you can't do. But we, I'm not doing that because, because <laughs> I want to have my best, I want to live the best life possible. And I want you to have the best life possible. You can imagine the things that we said no to so that we could say yes to you as a child and as a teenager. Pray for them. Pray for them. Because there is a war going on for the souls of our children. There's a worldwide war to destroy children. The devil, the devil wants your children. There's nothing that can make you more miserable than for your children to be in trouble. You know, somebody said, once once you have children, you're never happier than your unhappiest child. It's a struggle, right? So, what do we do? All right, let's stand. If, if you came today visiting and you weren't expecting this, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's not always like this. Sometimes it's worse, but... So, so Father, we need your help today. We, we, want, we want to help our kids in a world that is lying and lying and lying to us. It's lying to us. It's lying to them. The pressures uh, are out there. But, Lord, we, we're, not, we're not mad. We're not angry. We're, we're not transphobic. We're not fearful of trans people. Uh, we're, we, we believe that they're deceived and, and need help. And we don't do it out of anger or that we're better than them. We do it out of love because that's what we were. We were lost. And we still struggle. And we still need you so de- desperately, Lord. And so, Lord, we, we want to be compassionate and merciful and loving people. But at the same time, we want to be 100% committed to the truth and not believe the lies of the world. So, Lord, we just, we need your help. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to love the people around us, to love the lost people around us and show them what the joy of knowing Christ, not the rules, but the joy. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This has been the Life Community Church Podcast. Thank you for listening.